Hello and welcome everyone. This is On the Barricades, your favorite weekly political show produced by Eastern European leftists. And I am Boyan Stanislavski. With me today is Maria Cherna, the usual co-host of the show. Hello, Maria. Hello. Hello, Boyan. And once again, a warm welcome to all our viewers and listeners, particularly those uh, of you who have uh, remained resilient to the atmosphere that was created in the public sphere, particularly in the media sphere, also, and maybe even more so in uh, the anti-social media, as I like to refer to those platforms. Uh, I would like in this part of the program us to discuss about precisely about that, about the reactions to the ongoing war in Ukraine. And I think we should speak uh, both about um, about, well, not, not, not both, but about many aspects, I mean, about the uh, reports, about media reports, about the re political reactions to media reports, about censorship, about banning of the Russian media, and about the sanctions. And also, we should not neglect that, although it's, well, not my favorite topic, to say the least. Uh, we should not ignore the emotions and the hype that uh, was created, because as much as I hate, you know, using emotional arguments, as much as I hate... Uh, injecting emotions into a public debate because this is not a place for emotions or for emotional outbursts uh then it's difficult i think to ignore emotions altogether in a situation where <laughs> you know you have war in europe uh now and uh, quite naturally i would say it does produce a lot of emotional reactions and uh, you know to just go go ahead and dismiss them which I'm tempted to do, by the way, but of course, I'm a rational person. So, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, we cannot just go ahead and dismiss them that, oh, people are irrational and think emotionally and, you know, they are stupid or anything like that. But uh, nonetheless, you know, us as journalists here, and I made that point in the previous segment, we should stay sharp and we should uh, be able to analyze the situation as rationally and using as much reason as possible without, of course, neglecting, uh, you know, even the emotional aspect of the circumstances. So, Maria, you are, uh, so to say, our expert on our media expert, our expert on media culture, if there is any anymore, by the way. Uh, and uh, and you, you, this is also the subject of your academic studies. So uh, please tell me, tell us here, what are your thoughts about how the situation unfolded in the public sphere and and how do you how do you cope with this overwhelming hype uh, that's pouring from every pore of the uh, I don't know of the public sphere and uh, you know I can just tell you uh, perhaps as as a as a point you might want to comment on uh, later on I have reacted by switching off. Uh, social media because this is just this has become this has always been extremely to toxic but now it has become you know just looking at it just just mm -hmm. you know a, a single glance makes you feel that you know by by actually looking at it by entertaining it you're stripping yourself of elementary human dignity so anyway the mic is yours please well, Boyan, I would like to first say that what we are seeing now is <clears throat> a situation where all the tendencies, all the warning signs, all the bad things that we experienced in peacetime are amplified, 
are amplified to um, to maximum. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, this tribalism, this black and white perspective is not new. If you remember, we discussed this wonderful book that Matt Taibbi, a very uh, <clears throat> well-known uh, American journalist wrote, Hate uh, Incorporated, how the media is making us hate each other. And he analyzed how basically the Democrats and the Republicans use their media channels only to attack each other. And they transformed the political debate into a comment of a football game. They transform this into a competition and the role of the journalist is only to discuss, you know, this constant fight between the Democrats and the Republicans. So this is tendency number one. Now, tendency number two is to use important influencers and members of academia, journalists, intelligentsia in general, to give the definitions. Who gives the definition of propaganda? It is very important to have in your pocket if you want to have power, you know, and this, and if you want to have soft power, it is very important to have academia on your side. And to have them define propaganda in a way that suits you. Now, of course, the Democrats were very skilled at this at convincing their public that the intellectuals and the figures of authority from the intellectual arena are defining the propaganda in a way that suited them. The roots of what we're seeing now were planted when you had people like Rachel Meadow, you had people at MSNBC screaming from the top of their lungs against Russia, um, at almost an insane level. I mean, I've seen um, collages of Rachel Meadows saying Russia hundreds, thousands of times. This is insane. And what we are seeing now, we were already at war. But what we are seeing now, it's the next level because the seeds of this polarization, the seeds of this constant hyping up emotions in order to get an audience and to get a higher profit was present before. Journalism became a lucrative business when it spread hatred. Long time, a long time ago, journalism was not focused to inform us, but to emotionally exploit us to get our attention and then to sell us products. That was the modus operandi. Get their attention, uh, and use that attention to sell products. It's, it's been discussed in the media theory from decades now. I think it was Gerbner. This is a very George Gerbner is one of the best media theorists. And he was also a left leaning uh, intellectual who has all his articles available online. For those of you who want to read that, he's the author of the cultivation theory. And he was the one who said that Media, media has nothing to tell but a lot to sell. And basically the news is the break between the advertising because the news became a tool for advertising and for selling things. Now, if you have such a corrupt media environment, what did you expect? 
you could expect only to have all these extremely negative and problematic tendencies amplified by war and to reach out at the point where you have people like Len Greenwald saying what is actually happening. The war propaganda is the worst of all kinds of propaganda. It encourages this all the tendencies that I explain. Polarized perspective, hatred, emotions and not reason, um, vilifying your opponents, making lists of undesirable people, putting targets and using labels to, to destroy your opponent, and not have a debate in order to reach a conclusion, but have a verbal confrontation to destroy the enemy. Okay, these are the tendencies that we are seeing now amplified to almost an unbearable level. In terms of propaganda, what I can say in Romania is going against, you know, the current. And what do I mean by that? Well, I will start with an anecdote, a personal anecdote. I met some people uh, in Bulgaria while being on a resort in a very relaxed circumstance. And I told them I work in the media and they instantly said, tell us more about Russian propaganda. Where is Russian propaganda? Please tell us more about Russian propaganda. They were programmed to ask for information about Russian propaganda. And I said, how about the American propaganda? Well, but there is no such a thing. It is very interesting to see and the fact that it happened in Bulgaria of all places is, is you know is <laughs> yes, very very telling. Very interesting because there were some some Romanians from the upper middle class of Romania and they were trained when they heard media they instantly ah, said, but you were talking to Romanians you were talking to Romanians yes, not Bulgarians but okay. In Bulgaria so yeah, okay, right, it's a right. personal anecdote but I just wanted you to say that I was quite startled by the fact that these people had already the connection made in their mind. But they heard the time or uh, an experience, the media theories, they said, tell us more about Russian propaganda. We heard that there is Russian propaganda. Can you elaborate? I mean, it was like that. They had their, the, the connection was made and instantaneously they went for this answer. And what I find interesting here is that unfortunately, the West kept telling us, and most of the intelligentsia in Romania and most of the Romanian public believe that there is only one kind of propaganda. That is one of the biggest lies that we've been fed over and over again. And, I've and to the extent crying. that we believe it. And you know, Boyant, how difficult it is for me to even try and say, Look, people, propaganda was started by the Catholic Church. Short history lesson, 1672, Pope Urban IX wanted to propagate. It was, and he established what is called Congregatio de Propaganda Fide, the Congregation for the Propagation of Faith. They were facing opposition from the Protestants and they wanted to engage in the holy battle for the souls of the mortals and to convince them of the 
higher values of the Catholic Church. This is the origin of propaganda, and it has to do with the amplification of messages. So if you want to find the historical source, this is the historical source. And then it was used all over the place with this benign, so to say, uh, meaning to amplify a message. Okay, that propaganda actually means, and if you look at the etymology of the term, you know, the, the real meaning of the term, this is it, to amplify messages. But then it received a very bad connotation because it meant what? Amplifying the messages that could be used in a war, amplifying messages that could create panic, and amplifying messages that you know for sure are lies, okay? Mm -hmm. So using the amplifying techniques to spread half-truths and oh, lies. straight down lies, straight down lies. I mean, this is what or we're seeing right now, lies. aren't we? If I may just but ask a question let, now. Let me yeah. want, say one sure. thing. You know, propaganda works best when you don't tell straight out lies. But when you tell lies that have a part of truth in yeah, them, yeah, I get it. Truths I, are, are the best ways to to you know manipulate. Yeah, the philosophical question here is whether those are half truths or half lies. You know, I prefer to call them half lies because uh, you know this is the kind of philosophical question whether the the glass is half empty or half full. So uh, you know, at least I reveal my philosophical stance here. But uh, you know, uh, there are so many lies uh, in the public sphere, obviously. And, uh, you know, to any thinking person, I think, I suppose it's no uh, surprise that there is, th that there are many propaganda centers and they are related uh, to governments, they are related to other, you know, corporate centers, economic power centers, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, now what I can see, and uh, I'm, I'm really trying... Yeah, I, but, but if I just may ask this question, you know, I'm trying to be very hygienic, okay, when it comes to uh, engagement with media narratives and so on and so forth. So, like, I'm very, very careful, particularly now when things got so unhinged in the media, I'm just dosing it like, you know, I look here, I look there, I follow concrete and specific reports on factual or, or what is presented as factual situation. And, you know, I can see... I can see something that is that seems to me appears to be a straightforward lie, which is the ongoing reports. And I don't know what it is like in Romania, but in the Polish media, there are ongoing reports about you know massive retreat of the Russian army that it's being you know uh, that is being confronted on so many fronts and that it's retreating 40, 50, 60, 100 kilometers. I don't know how, how many kilometers now. That you know the um, American uh, sorry American. What a flip of the tongue, by the way. Uh, the Ukrainian <laughs> army, the, the Ukrainian army is advancing and pushing them away. That there is a widespread demoralization in the within the ranks of the Russian mm -hmm. army. That five thousand soldiers have defected to the side, <laughs> defected to the side of the Ukrainians. I mean, absolutely. You know, fan, I don't even know how to call it, like this products of some fantasy. You know, you know, I mean, this is, this is, and sorry, one last thing that uh, in one day, in one day, the Ukrainian army kills between 3,000 and 3,500 Russian soldiers, which is like, you know, 
by now we we have to to have something like what fifteen seventeen thousand Russian soldiers dead, which is you know on its face okay even if if that had been the trend on its face it's just so ridiculous okay and you know because what of I the suggest, yeah. I I did the following thing I know what you're saying and I find this to be very interesting and I suggest we do the following we open up right now a Google Drive and we make screenshots because people will not admit writing and believing that this is very important to keep a record and i suggest also the viewers who have the slightest uh, suspicion that something might be very very problematic in the media to keep a file with all these things because it will help at some point to make a report or to have a balanced perspective or for those who want to write, and especially for journalists, it's important to have this because this is a, a, a perfect opportunity for us, Boyan, to keep a public to keep a record of the of the, the things that are being uttered in the public sphere, because I think this to be extraordinary. Well, and I think uh, for the first time uh, in Romania, the propaganda is more subtle. They say how on Snake Island, 13 Ukrainians confronted the Russian ship and they all died. Now, the Guardian says that they may be still alive, and that is a lie. And what is being conveyed in Romanian media is the idea that you have David versus the Goliath fight and that you have a woman screaming at a Ukrainian soldier and giving him flower seeds and saying, keep this in your pocket. They will grow when you die and they, they will grow out of your dead body or something like this. Gee, that, this that's really cringy. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And people are cheering up saying, brave old, old uh, Ukrainian fighting the soldier. Now you have... Um, uh, also, this idea that the old tanks are not working and you have just today the, the, the dialogue between a Georgian ship and the Russian one and the Georgians are refusing the Russians' fuel. And then you have also reports on brave Ukrainian women preparing Molotov cocktails uh, to fight the Russians. And you have all these so, ideas. So not, not just Kalashnikovs. Now they're going to fight the, the professional Russian army advancing with Molotov cocktails. I mean, Molotov do you even get it how crazy we, this is? How women crazy. are preparing cocktail Molotovs to, to fight uh, the Russians because this is the holy battle to defend the, the motherland and to defend uh, Ukraine and you on, you know, all the, the, the things that are being uh, usually said here in the patriotic discourses. So what you see in the Romanian press is this idea that no matter how weak, no matter how small, everyone should fight, everyone should be a hero in Ukraine, and all men should be kept there because the ones who want to leave are cowards. They should fight till they die. Uh, even though um, there is a very high chance of them getting killed in the confrontation. So you have all these ideas with uh, David the Go and the Goliath. This is a narrative that is being pushed. But if you tell people that this is a narrative, they will, they will want to kill you, actually. I mean, 
if you would give today, well, not, not physically, I guess, like, like you're, you're symbolically, post, I guess, they would kill you for a post on Facebook. They are so enraged. And let me tell you about personal experience. I think your strategy is very cool. I was not aware that people are so enraged and so hyped up. And I said, look, we have put in all one mad individual and this conflict is enough. Do you want to mimic his behavior? Why are you insisting that Ukrainians die fighting the Russians? Why are you saying that there are two types of Ukrainians, worthy Ukrainians, that die fighting, so dead Ukrainians, basically, and the ones who refuse to fight and flee the country. Yeah, These yeah. are the cowards and their lives do not matter. So the only worthy Ukrainian is the dead Ukrainian. You know? yeah, yeah, but, but I want to, if, if I may, and I just want to... how wanna, insane is this? Yeah, yes. insane, but I also want to point the contradictions of the whole thing here. Because look, on the one hand, there uh, there is this narrative which you're explaining uh, that, you know, every man, you know, every able man should be, should take arms against Russians now and stuff like that, which, you know... Every man should do that. Like, uh, you know, maybe not every man wants to do that. And, you know, the uh, Ukrainian army has already experienced mass defections in 2014. This is how those militias were created in Lugansk and, and Donetsk, by the way, right? Massive defections. Like, what is the, where, where does the idea come from that it wouldn't happen now? Maybe that would happen to a less extent, a lesser extent, because obviously, I mean, many people that were, Russian identifying that are Russian identifying, but we're living in Ukraine. They emigrated now, like many of them live in Russia, many of them live in other Euro European countries. But, uh, you know, where does this conviction come from that all those men, they actually, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, the, the idea that those some men are cowards and that they don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, people don't want to die. That's a general, natural, healthy instinct. You know, biological, if you like, people don't want to die. And, you know, many people don't want to fight for, you know, interests of governments or, or, or centers of power that they cannot relate to uh, by any stretch. And, you know, of course, as I said in the previous segment, war creates terrible situations and also disbalances people emotionally to the extent that they are, and people, when are, they are hyped up emotionally, they tend to make decisions which are are not good okay objectively speaking not good and and i you know i understand totally understand people who want to take up arms against those who enter their home with machine guns and artillery and so on totally understand it but you know i think and this is how i perceive the uh, the moral and the professional role of journalists is to to act against the unhinged nonsense in the public sphere, but to say, hey, guys, let's speak about it. Let's see what is the best solution here. My position is such and such. What is your position? And why do you think it is better? This is how it should be. Of course, there is no perfect harmony in the world. I know that everyone who has attachment to reality knows that. But still, I mean, you know, what are they going to do, Maria? Like once... The whole storytelling breaks down because the Russians, I don't know, make their point by, I don't know, getting Kiev or getting somewhere and they announce the end of that, what they call the special military operations. What are they going to say when they were just claiming oh, that all always, the Russians... Uh, there are always, you know, uh, very... Um, why is it important and why do I think that your media is going to have a problem because they are... 
selling lies, you know, about Russians being defeated, they will not be defeated. Okay, so that would be a straight out lie. But in Romania, that would be perfect because uh, you had the president. He was more like David, but we f he fought the Goliath and he, the memory of that hero will linger. And you asked me, why is that that the only worthy Ukrainian right now is the one that dies fighting the Russians? So basically the dead Ukrainian. Well, he, it has roots in patriarchy. And I want to discuss now the second uh, thing that I find very problematic because there were two things that I wanted to address first propaganda and then feminism. There is a wonderful book uh, by Tom Digby that is called um, Love and Militarism, uh, Love and uh, Militarism, how militarism shapes our idea of uh, love and romance. Love and War is called, and this is the title of the book. Now, he expresses there exactly this fundamental, uh, per, um, you know, um, um, perspective of patriarchy, that men's lives are expendable. And uh, Professor Digby explains how deeply entrenched in our patriarchal culture is the idea that a man is worthy only if he displays this force, violence, and um, uh, he's very uh, able sexually, you know. So he's basically a life support for muscles and the genitals. He doesn't count as a person apart from that. And this is the root of the problem. And I want to discuss only... I also want to discuss how problematic I find the fact that you see now feminists, feminists who are discovering uh, and rebranding toxic masculinity as courage. We wanted this toxic masculinity to be dismantled. We wanted this idea of show off, of imposing your opinions through violence, of uh, dominating the others to be gone because they are at the root of the problem here. We cannot have peace if we uh, see the Americans wanting to dominate and then we see the Russians wanting to dominate. In all this, we, we were at war, if you think about it. Peace was a different type of war, but we were at war all the time. Nobody wanted to have real cooperation and progress. And uh, unfortunately, peace was only an ideal and only an idea to be used in this war. Now, coming back to, the, uh, the, um, to feminism and why do I find it so problematic mm -hmm. that if it serves the cause, meaning that if we hate Russia, so we want to rebrand those who fight russia even though they are display toxic masculinity as heroes so basically you see how feminism is being somehow swallowed by this uh, uh, uh war rhetoric i mean toxic masculinity suddenly becomes good a good thing if you want uh, to use it to justify fighting the Russians. So masculinity displayed by one side, that is the Ukrainian and toxic masculinity is perfect because it is against the Russians. So all discussion 
on how bad toxic masculinity is in general halts at the moment um, geopolitical interests dictate otherwise so this is very don't you find this very perverse how you discuss toxic masculinity and you say how bad it is but right now i want you to show i want us to show a, a couple of pictures if you can show me yeah, please the picture <clears throat> of course of the, uh, the mayor of um of kiev oh, the mayor of kiev right just a sec let us and it is on a so-called progressive group of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that was created uh, to support her, who is a democratic socialist and a, a self-identified feminist. And look, Vitali Klitschko, the mayor of Kiev, former heavyweight champion. Klitschko is a millionaire, but now he fled uh, to he decided to fight mm -hmm. he is here with um you know um, if this is not toxic masculinity was this what is this and this is being praised and suddenly this form of toxic masculinity is acceptable you know and well i think everything is acceptable as long as long as it goes against russia i mean that's that's my perception yes, of things like is, you know if you're, you you can be here. a toxic masculine toxic masculine toxic toxically masculine person uh, in the eyes of the feminists, but the feminists are going to support you for as long as you use this toxic masculine against Russia. You can be a Nazi, neo-Nazi, neo-fascist that we normally condemn, but as long as you create, an, uh, you know, you allow us to use you to stick it to the Russians, that's great. We can, you know, yes, we're going to support you. Yes, and please you. die fighting the Russians. Please yeah. die fighting the Russians. That is the message. Now, I want but to don't see you see, another... don't you think, don't you think that there's also an element of, of, of colonial Western chauvinism here? I mean, I'm sorry, but this is like, you know, yeah, please go die, die for us. Like, you know, I mean, this reminds me of Adam Schiff, you know, the uh, uh, the leading Democrat in <clears throat> in America, right? Saying that, uh, and of course, the leading Russia gator and so on and so forth. But he, he said something like, you know, we want Ukraine to do that. I can't remember the word, the, the exact formulation right now, but it's something along those lines that, you know, we want Ukraine to fight, uh, you know, Russia there so that we don't have to fight Russia here. I will find that. <clears throat> That, that video and I will play it in our <clears throat> in some in one of our segments. I think it's worth really uh, sort of uh, uh, yes. recollecting now. Of course, and now I want to see the cult of Zelensky. Now mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this mayor Vitalich Klitschko, he's a hero now. But I bet nobody knew his name a month ago. <laughs> nobody. Well, knew I knew that name, cares. of course, but no. you you knew that name I because mean, we deal with this in Europe, but not anyone in America. Many really. people in Romania, I think, if five people knew his name that's a lot you know because mm -hmm. come on and now we see another uh personality that's being praised in the media mm -hmm. and you see Boyan how propaganda were um functions just look at this picture and let me translate okay so this is the one with the family so we had a referendum for the family and you had all the progressives claiming that 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 was so traditional and you even told me you had feminists in poland saying that this is some sort of fascist ideal of the family that they are promoting some sort of white supremacy blah blah okay yeah. But now you're being this, you're you're seeing this picture circulated all over Romanian media uh, in a PR attempt that in peacetime will never.
ever gain the hearts and minds of my fellow citizens. Now I want us to look at the other pictures because other picture of Zelensky that's being heavily circulated on social media. Presenting just him. Give me 10 seconds. I'm going to bring it up. Yes. So I want to um, say that suddenly Zelensky is this David fighting the Goliath. Now, of course, in peacetime, you'll never fall for this type of uh, thing. Uh, I'm not you sure know, anymore. Politicians are cynical individuals. And you know that they basically pursue their interests. Now, look. It says something like this, the text. Look at him. He has 44 years, he is 44 years old and he has a beautiful family. And today he is the last real man in the world. The only man that he that did not flee against the Russian aggression. He could fill a plane with the money from Ukraine, but he didn't. He did not, he could yeah, because he was ordered hidden in a bunker, but he didn't. He could surrender the country to the Russians. And then they go on and on. But you see that here highlighted and in capital letters, it says that he is the last real man in the world. Now, in normal circumstances, you would see that he would have been made a laughing stock if something like that you know was presented to the public whereas now even feminists are falling for this saying oh yes of course he's the real man this whole idea and the mythology of the real man the real man and the worthy man and this comes directly from patriarchy we've been told we've been telling men for millennia now that they are only worthy if they are willing to die. Hmm. So okay. well, I don't subscribe to that idea as a man. <laughs> <laughs> so it is very important to, yes, but I think you are part of a very tiny uh, minority. If you think about I, it, I, I think I, if, you, if your father, if he was trained by the military, has some, you know, sensitivity towards such ideas of dying with honor and uh, dying for the cause. Yeah, but not dying, uh, you know, in 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 the meaningless, uh, absolutely, you know, uh, lost uh, from the beginning combat. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, there are many military people that you will encounter even now on the internet uh, that will give you this perspective. But also, they there there are people making such critical evaluations of historical events, like, for example, the Warsaw Uprising of 1944, which was doomed to be defeated, and it inflicted a terrible wound on uh, on Poland. It, it, it cost life of about 300,000 inhabitants of Warsaw. It was just a horrendous event. It was an order that was obviously un- uh, unrealizable. I mean, you were not able to do anything. Uh, you were not able to confront the Germans. It was exactly this situation. I mean, not exactly, of course, I mean, with all the simplifications of, of, of this comparison, but it's exactly, you know, uh, water, w- water pistols against tanks. That was pretty much the situation in 1944 in Warsaw. And this was a criminal act, clearly, and many military men will tell you this, to actually give that order to the Warsaw population to take arms and organize uprising against the Germans. 
at that point in, uh, in time. And this is the same here. I mean, uh, in a sense, it, it, the only thing that really uh, is reasonable is to flee the conflict zones immediately, uh, to use the corridors that were uh, opened by the Russian army for civilians and for military men who want to lay down arms, and they were promised to be treated with uh, respect and to uh, reunite with their families. And not to take arms against, uh, you know, this massive army uh, and, of Russia. And you see, Boyan, you are inviting to reason, but in this logic of war, you would be considered, especially in Romania, a traitor and a Russian troll. How, how a traitor? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Ukrainian. How am I a traitor? Well, you see how this label can be so easily thrown around against anyone who descends for from the mainstream and now the last part regards something that actually happened banning russian media in the um, europe and also the moldavians were the first to ban sputnik now the efficiency it not may not be not is big. problematic but at the same time look at what the russians do and I wanted to put that screenshot with the sure. Russians saying to the journalists to be very careful uh, with what they write because uh, uh, the foreign agents' uh, reports will be taken down. Mm -hmm. And I made a screenshot of that, and I think that is very important. Russian regulator warns local media over coverage of Ukraine war. Journalists labeled as foreign agents outlet told they will be blocked unless they remove unreliable information. Isn't this nice how the European Commission and the Russian regulators come together in this idea, <laughs> you know, yes. of protecting protecting us from unreliable information don't you feel protected? yeah yeah this is this is oh yeah uh, yeah but, but by the way I, this is something i want to talk about but not now because we're rapidly running out of time yes, we actually the, went the, the over last time thing that i want to say here the last uh very the very last you got one thing. minute but yeah. yes if you want to defeat Putin, I mean, you should start with the Putin within you and with these authoritarian tendencies because you will end up in a quite an embarrassing situation where you mimic the very one that you are trying to um, to oppose, the very one that you consider yourself superior to. That's so an interesting. That's an interesting point. Putin, Stop emulating. Don't be one, right? Okay. Yeah. Don't okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, thank you very much for this, uh, for those insightful comments. And uh, we're going to talk about the media, and we're going to talk about other. Uh, also, I want to talk about sanctions, but we're going to talk about that some other oh, time we have... this week. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just want to promise our our uh, viewers that uh, this week we're going to try to make some extensive video productions in order to cover all of those topics. So we're obviously going to go out of our way, and we're not just going to post on you know Saturday and Sunday as we usually do, but we're going to try. I can. Not promise anything because we're both working people and we've got family uh, uh, 
uh, obligations that uh, we must attend and we want to attend. So uh, it's probably going to be a bit irregular, but nonetheless, please follow our channel on YouTube, follow our channel on SoundCloud, follow our channel on Spotify, and follow, of course, on all other platforms, anti-social media. Uh, some of them, I, as I said, I, I, I just turned them off, like for me, and I deleted my accounts there because I wasn't able to bear with the amount of unhinged nonsense that was coming my way. That's very and, good. And, and, yeah, and I advise everyone, like, if you if you if you you know if you don't have to like don't be on all those anti-social media anyway thanks again to all our viewers and readers and 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 listeners thanks to you maria please don't go to our patreon page patreon.com slash the barricade and to the extent you feel you can afford please help us the independent our platform the independent journalistic eastern european platform that's going to uh bring you something which is in terms of its format intellectually interesting and factually interesting correct and 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 it's going to uh to always be you know the best of journalism that we can deliver thank you very much see you soon <laughs>